This is the Find Your Forte podcast, episode 33. You have the passion. You have the education. Now it's time for the inspiration. Get ready to step up to the podium with purpose. This is the Find Your Forte podcast with choral director and lifestyle entrepreneur, Ryan Guth. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Find Your Forte podcast. I am here interviewing Ola Yalo who was born in Norway in 1978 and moved to the U.S. in 2001 to begin his composition studies at the Juilliard School in New York City. He is currently composer in residence with Voces 8. Ola's concert works are performed all over the world, and his debut recording as pianist-composer, the lyrical crossover album Stone Rose, was followed by its 2012 sequel, Piano Improvisations. Many of Ola's choral works are featured on Phoenix Chorale's best-selling Northern Lights album, which is devoted entirely to his music for choir. All three albums are available on iTunes, Amazon, and Spotify. Presently a full-time composer based in New York City, Ola is very interested in film, and his music often draws inspiration from movies and cinematic music. For more information about Ola, visit olayalo.com. Now, Choir Nation, I know that you'll be, you'll be interested in heading over there to olayalo.com, so I will put a link in his show notes page, which is www.ryanguth.com forward slash 033 for episode 33. All right, Ola, Choir Nation is ready. They're at the edge of their chairs, folders open, and looking your way. Are you ready to deliver the downbeat? I'm ready. All right, fantastic. Um, the downbeat segment is a segment that is the biographical portion of our interview. So I want to begin with having you tell us about the time that you knew you were going to dedicate your life to music. I, I honestly can't remember because it was very, very early, I think. Uh, as it's, um, so I'm not sure. I, it was never really... Um, I just, it was never really a choice, I think. It was something I always knew I was going to do and wanted to do from when I was a little kid. And um, I started playing the piano very young. I was maybe, uh, actually, I, I don't know. <laughs> as soon as I could reach the, the keys, I suppose. And um, started improvising very young. And from then on, uh, that, that's all I wanted to do. So when you live... When you live in Norway on top of a fjord, this is what we do to pass time, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't live on a fjord, unfortunately. Oh, that's too uh, bad. <laughs> but, uh, um, but it was it was a bit more urban than that. Um, it lived about a uh, half hour from Oslo, basically. Okay. Uh, in a pretty 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 rural town, but um, um, yeah, it was just. Um, it, that's all I did. It was that and, and soccer constantly. Well, coincidentally, my band's name in high school was Urban Fjord. So, no, <laughs> I'm no, not at all. I'm <laughs> totally kidding. Um, well, so what was the musical background like in your family? Did your folks uh, play piano as well, or? Uh, no, they didn't. Uh, uh, my dad was a good, uh, very good amateur saxophone. Uh, player, so um, so there was a lot of music in the house, mm-hmm. and uh, he he play a lot of you know as CD, well, eventually CDs when I got older, and that 
that came along. Um, and but it was also very eclectic, which I think was a meant a lot mm-hmm. for for my uh, own kind of musical taste and development. So it was anything from from choral and classical to uh, old pop or Beatles or um, or jazz or uh, you know Keith Jarrett or mm-hmm. this was all over the all over the place. So that was that I think that was a really good thing. So when did you begin composing music? Did it come through the improvisation and you're like, man, I should write this down? Or how did that work out? How did you decide to, to get into that? I'm not sure. I think um, it you know, definitely started with eventually uh, those little improvs turned into little piano pieces, but uh, it was all just in my head, so mm-hmm. I didn't need to write it down. Um, and I had a really good ear as, as a kid, so I could kind of listen to stuff and, and just kind of play it back pretty quickly um and also remember stuff really uh pretty easily so um so i didn't really have to learn to read music for quite a while um but i started learning uh to read music when i was about when i was seven i think um but in the beginning my i would would literally my dad was very patient with me i would literally like dictate uh or play stuff for him on the piano or the keyboard and he would write it down uh, write it down for me um, so that's how it started, but eventually, you know, I learned how to, to write myself. Now, did you go to a particular teacher to learn piano and, and composition? I'm burned through a few cause I was a terrible student and, uh, I guess, I don't know. I just had a very, I was strong willed and just wanted to kind of do my own thing, you know, and, and I got easily bored kind of practicing, uh, practicing stuff that, uh, you know, uh, from from sheet music, so uh, so yeah, I kind of wore out a few teachers, I think. But um, so I had a few. I, I, my last one was uh, was great. She really taught me uh, how to play with with the weight and and the firm fingers, and mm-hmm. that did a lot for my technique. That was like before um, uh, in high school. Okay, so explain what it's like growing up in in Norway. How is it different than? Than the U.S. I mean, do, is, there, is, is there a similar like educational system or? Uh, no, it's pretty. Uh, it's very different, I would say, okay. especially uh, especially on like the high school level. Because mm-hmm. um, here in America, we have kind of you know choirs and bands and all uh, or orchestras uh, in a lot of high schools, right? Uh, yeah, geez, almost all of them probably. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds uh, or more. I don't know, uh, which is kind of un- kind of unique to America, I think. As I far would as say I know. so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, we don't. I don't think we have that in Europe at all. Uh, certainly not in Norway, uh, where it's more uh, specialized in a way. Like there, there'll be one music or music dance and drama high school maybe in each county or something like that mm-hmm. and then so that's where i went in in my uh county and so it was and like a magnet was, program essentially well i don't know it's like uh it's it's almost like a like a music conservatory okay, so you had to apply yeah okay. my time i don't think there were auditions uh, it's been back and forth about that i think but uh yeah you have to Definitely have to apply. Okay. Uh, and then, because, uh, you know, it's very limited how many they, they let in. And, uh, yeah, it's, but it's very, then it's very, almost like a music conservatory where um, you have a lot of different uh, music subjects um, that are obligatory. 
and then you had just just enough of the of the the other stuff like you know Norwegian, uh, maths, uh, English, that kind of stuff. Just just enough so that if you want to go to college and do something else than music, you you'll be able to do that too. So how did you find um, out so about Juilliard? Sorry. How did you find out about Juilliard? Was Juli- is Juilliard as popular as it is here over there? Um, I'd say it's very well known. Yeah. The, the the name is very well known, but probably especially because of movies. It's it's featured in so many movies. Mm-hmm. Either it's takes, you know, yeah, people talk about it. Um, yeah, movies and TV. So I think uh, it's it's it definitely is very well known in in Norway too. I'd say. Do you remember when you? decided you wanted to go to Juilliard? Uh, yeah, well, it was, it was in 2000 and, uh, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I applied to, to a lot of different places, and I had never been to America before, so okay. it was, I didn't know too much, but I, I definitely knew the name <laughs> Juilliard, of course, and I, I liked the composers there, like uh, John Carliano and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, so, but I also applied to, I think, New England Conservatory mm-hmm. and like, uh, uh, uh Curtis, I think, mm-hmm. and, uh, a few, uh, about six other places, I think. Uh, but in the end I, I, I chose Juilliard, um, and I had a really, uh, really good time there. I liked it a lot. Did you know that you, you wanted to go to the U S exclusively? Like, I mean, you obviously, did you choose to apply to all U S schools? Uh, no, I also applied to, uh, quite a few, uh, English, uh, universities as well. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, when I got into Juilliard, I just, uh, I don't know, I just felt like it's something I had to, 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 to explore and, uh, and, um, yeah, no, there's something special about, you know, coming to, to New York City and, and, of and, and being right at Lincoln Center and, it's a really special kind of magical place, you know, so um, I, I couldn't really resist that. <laughs> All right, well, Ola, tell us a story, um, and I'm going to preface this by saying I used to use the word failure, and I feel like I, I just recently heard a quote and that, was, that basically said that there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. So... <clears throat> Would you let us know a time where you were given feedback based on something that didn't go as planned and maybe didn't go your way and something that you you learned from? Um, I yeah, I mean, I'm, there will be tons of things. I, it's hard to come up with like a specific story uh, that I can like a good anecdote, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I can think of, uh, but I mean, yeah, there have been many, many, uh, many failures <laughs> along the way, but, um, I think the, the main thing I learned was about inspiration, I think, mm-hmm. and I kind of getting out of my own way was definitely the, the biggest thing. And I think especially in school, that's really hard because composition is really, it's so personal. It's, it's so hard to teach mm-hmm. and, uh, it's so subjective, you know, and, and I, I, I often think of, I always think of Philip Glass, for example, like his music is so 
specific, like it's so unique and so breaks all of the rules about what it's supposed to be. And I'm sure if, I don't know if he wrote like that in college, but I'm sure he was told that that you can't write like that mm -hmm. or he would be told that, you know, but he stuck to what he believed in and he became incredibly successful uh, doing that. So I think I, I used to get blocks, I think, uh, especially in college, um, and be kind of stuck. And that's, a, that's the worst feeling, you know, for a composer, of course. And, um, and it took me a while to realize why that was. And I, it was because I was thinking too much about what other people thought. Right. And the minute you start doing that, then you're going to block yourself because you, you can't, it doesn't work like that. And, and, uh, if you think too much about what your teachers tell you or what, you know, it's, it's, you're going to end up sounding like them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's the point of that? Because they had, that's already, there are, that, that person is already there. Right. So, um, and that's a big danger, I think. Was know, there ever a time, cool. sorry to cut you off, was there ever no, a time where you produced a piece of music that you felt was not authentically yours where you felt like i'm doing this because i yes. uh, okay can Definitely. you can you tell <laughs> us about that well i think uh there were probably a few but again there was uh, especially in college where mm -hmm. i uh, i would write you know certain pieces that were more edgy uh than i would normally ever do um because I felt, and I felt good in a way about it. Because I felt like I was adapting more. I was being more. I was being like a good, a good kid, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. But uh, but it didn't make me happy, you know. It wasn't the kind of music that was in me. Um, and I've always written very, you know, very tonal uh, or modal uh, stuff, mm -hmm. and because that's what I listen to. Uh, and um, so I think um, I realized that. You know, I just I don't want to do that. It doesn't make me happy, and then probably it's not going to do a lot for other people either. Right. And um, so I realized, but also like I started, especially when I got older and turned closer to thirty, I started realizing sort of how I wasn't really listening to my own music, and I was thought like, well, why is that? Like. Because I didn't, I didn't really care, and then I realized I wasn't really quite writing the music that I'm really interested in myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest lesson. It's so easy to just write stuff, yeah, on autopilot, or that you think the critics will like, or right, or even audiences. But if you don't like it, then it's not going to be original. It's not going to be you. So I, I realized like a lot of the composers I admire are, are film composers and are, are working in, in Hollywood now. And um, so I thought, like, why doesn't my music have more of that, that kind of sound to it? Mm -hmm. And so I started writing more like that, and, um, and I felt I had a lot more fun doing it. Right, okay. So I, I want to go back into this, um, but before we do, uh, I would want to ask you your proudest musical moment. My proudest musical moment. Um, like, like this might be a time where you were like, you know what? Yeah, I'm doing the right thing. Like a self-affirming moment. 
I think the the premiere of my uh, my mass was a, was a big deal for me. Uh, I have a, I have a thirty about half hour mass called the Sunrise Mass for Choir and String Orchestra, um, which had a premiere in Oslo, I think, in two thousand and eight or something. Um, and that that was definitely a big deal to me. It was the biggest piece by far that I've ever written, and it was really in that kind of style that I talked about before that that really meant a lot to me and it was really inspired by a lot of uh, kind of film scores and that kind of music and um but it was the first time yeah I'd written a really big piece and there was there were two two concerts that day uh, both were completely full and in a, in a church in 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 Norway and um yeah it was just an amazing feeling to have that kind of Big sound washing over me, and and uh, and feeling like I've written a, a kind of a big piece for the first time. So at that point, you did listen to your music. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely, yeah. <laughs> so now, why were you particularly proud of of, of that? Was it a, is it this, like the sheer number of hours and thought you put into it, or was there a particular bit of inspiration that you had drew upon for that piece or was it dedicated to somebody in particular or like, were you thinking about somebody in particular or something in particular when you wrote it? Um, no, it was really just that it was, uh, I felt like it was one of the first pieces that I felt like it was really me. Um, and not that there were pieces before that, that I, I felt that about too, but, um, but this, I don't know. It just felt like, Something, yeah, again, something I would like to listen to, <laughs> and uh, that was a big deal for me. But I think, yeah, other than that, uh, the biggest deal to me is 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 recordings, and mm. uh, and that's um, I'm I feel, yeah, proud of the albums that are my two piano albums and the and the Phoenix Chorale uh, Northern Lights album. Like I, I, it's I love having albums like on a real label, uh, and I've, yeah. So that, that Phoenix Chorale, that was a joint collaboration with Charles Bruffy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was their album, uh, okay. but, uh, but I was very involved in it. Great. Yeah. The, so albums are, are a really big deal to me. I love that process of recording, and I love that it, you know, it becomes like a, the, the most ideal kind of expression of your work, right? Because it it's you know, excellent, great sound, and everything is perfectly set up. And and it has the ability to potentially reach a lot of people, you know, and then that's means means everything to me. Well, let's let's get back into your forte here because uh, I have some I have some questions about uh, you know composing composing in general because we don't we don't have a lot of composers on this podcast. We did have we had Mark Hayes, um, and I would say that he's a different style than you. Um, I think you're pretty unique, and um, I feel like your music. I mean, to me, your music stands out in a category of its own. And I and I, I was delighted to hear that you talk about um, being influenced by film, by film music, uh, because I I've always sort of felt that, and I'm glad that you sort of confirmed it. Cause it seems like seems like that's working, and. Um, I wanted to find out from you, like, what, what is your process like? And, you know, where do you derive inspiration? And what is your process like for uh, coming up with a new piece? And I know, like, I tr- it's, it's so hard to, 
simplify this kind of thing for, for a good answer for a podcast. But um, and for some people, it's just, oh, it's what comes to me. But um, it, <laughs> is that what it is for you? Or, or you know, where do you uh, gain inspiration? And is inspiration even something we should even talk about? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I think uh, for me... It's it's not yeah it's not something that usually it just comes to me out of nowhere um, or like it I never had the the sort of the romantic idea uh, romantic uh, kind of idea of mm-hmm. you know the composer kind of waking up in, in the middle of the night and having some incredible you know uh, flash of inspiration but um, so it's it's more uh, I just sit down basically by the keyboard or, or the piano but usually the keyboard mm-hmm. um, and just start. Uh, improvising ideas, so uh, so it really comes out of uh, improv, and uh, which is also because I come out of improv. That's what I did from my was a little kid, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just uh, usually I'll I'll improvise a lot of ideas uh, on my keyboards, which has a lot of I, I have a bunch of sample libraries and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, so you know you can have sounds that sound more. Uh, authentic or more similar to the forces that you're actually writing for, like no. a choir or a trumpet or whatever. Are you by your keyboard right now? Uh, yes. So, would would you share a little bit of like? Would you like live here on the podcast? Would you sort of demonstrate some of the things that you're talking about? Some of these different samples and and potentially, uh, you know, have a composition session right here on the podcast <laughs> I would, uh, yeah I'd love to but it's uh, actually impossible because I don't have uh, speakers because um, I always work in headphones so I don't I don't I wouldn't have anywhere to uh, play out from <laughs> oh okay 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 <laughs> yeah I just I would always prefer uh, headphones for some reason to have that kind of close sound now so uh, so oh okay so is there a is there a particular um, do you feel like you're more focused with the headphones on I don't know. Yeah, I guess like I just, it blocks everything else out. Or? Yeah, yeah, and I use uh, and even more so. Like as I use those uh, head noise canceling headphones, so it's really kind of in you're in your own kind of little world, you know, which uh, I think helps me. Um, and um, but yeah, so I work with uh, a lot of samples, and uh, then I usually I record a lot of ideas into a software called Logic. Usually, okay. Um, which is great because then I can later I'll, I'll organize all the ideas and I'll I'll what you, I'll do what you call bounce them so mm-hmm. into MP3 tracks and then I'll put those tracks on my my iPhone or I you know iPod and um, and listen to them kind of outside of the studio maybe go outside or whatever and just kind of feel if to try to get outside yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, Listen more like a, like a listener. Is this something? Are any of these ideas would they touch me in any kind of way? Would is that something that would would be uh, attractive to to a listener? And then I just kind of choose uh, delete a lot of ideas and choose some, and then uh, keep working on those. And um, I usually it's not usually that I compose from from A to B. It's more like a like a like a puzzle, like you put in different bits here and there mm-hmm. and you feel, oh, that should come back there. And, or sometimes you start with the middle or the ending or whatever, you know. So it's um, kind of all over the place and then it, it turns into this. It's almost like uh, 
sculpting and you kind of uncover something that's okay. within a big block, you know. So do you, do you ever like start with like a, a theme in, in one key and then another day you do a theme in a different key and you're like, man, you know what? If they were both in the same key or a related key, they could, they could work really well together in an entire piece and then you just take it back. You take one piece and piece it to the other one or, or are you thinking, okay, I am in the mindset now of this particular, I'm working on one piece only and I'm going to finish that or is it like... I'm going to noodle some ideas here and noodle some ideas there. And if they're not necessarily related, I can make them related and put them, piece them together later on. Do you see what I'm uh, saying? It's really all of the above. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, okay. It could, be, it could be anything. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty messy. It's, it could be, um, yeah, I mean, it even could be that you're kind of writing uh, from A to B sometimes too, more like a song form almost or... Mm. Um, but yeah, a lot of times, uh, a lot of times it helps to work on, on two pieces at the same time, for mm -hmm. example, because, um, because sometimes you get, you get a little stuck and, and, you know, you can't, I don't know how to get to this place, you know, and, but you just try to keep hammering away at it and it doesn't, but that's usually when it doesn't. It's not happening because mm -hmm. you're thinking too much. But if you then start to work on a, on the other piece, uh, which is doesn't have that kind of pressure to it, um, it's usually easier. And sometimes, or not pretty often, it turns out like the thing you worked on in the other piece actually was the key you needed the whole time for right. the first piece. And it was just kind of um, in like a surrogate. <laughs> you have to like uh, work out your idea muscle regularly and... and um Right, some things you'll keep and some things you won't keep, you know. But you have to keep working, working that muscle, essentially. Yeah, right? sort of. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think because I come out of improv, I'm, I'm used to, uh, and I used to do uh, whole concerts that are improvised, like on the piano, mm -hmm. uh, like kind of like, uh, like Keith Jarrett perfected that kind of concert where mm -hmm. you do a whole concert; it's nothing is planned, and you just play the piano for an hour. So I did that too. Uh, obviously, not even as close to as amazing as he did it, but uh, or does it? Um, but um, but I think that helped makes me. Or I'm used to having to come up with ideas very very quickly. So because um, you don't have a choice in those situations. But um, well, so I how do you differentiate between what is? what you want to now move into no, musical notation and potentially send to a publisher versus, mm -hmm. nah, that was just improvisation and I'll just let it go? Um, well, on the idea stadium, uh, uh, the idea uh, stage, um, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it, I never had like a block when it comes to coming up with ideas, mm -hmm. uh, but of course it doesn't mean that they're any good necessarily. Mm -hmm. But um, but from there, on, but that's you know a very early stage, and then um, and again it's it's all over the place. Like sometimes I'll I'll use uh, parts of uh, older pieces of mine that uh, never quite uh, worked out, but I mm -hmm. really like a certain part of them, so I put that in into another piece, uh, a new piece, and it starts to make sense. Uh, hopefully, and um, and so so the road to kind of publishing is is pretty far away at that point still. 
So what is the most popular piece of yours that has sold the most copies? And what is the piece that you wish sold the most copies? <laughs> um, I think it's, uh, it's might well be Caritas okay. uh, for, uh, for Acapella Choir um, that I wrote uh, in 2001, I think. Okay. Or earlier, I'm not sure. Well, you wrote that. Well, you wrote that just coming out of high school. Uh, yes, I think I or or early college. Okay, uh, I think because I I did two years in in uh, Oslo first, the Norwegian Academy of Music in Oslo. Oh, okay. Ninety nine sure. to 01. So I think I wrote my first year there, maybe. Um, yeah, so that was published, I think, in a state on Walton Music in. Oh six or something. I remember. Or, I actually remember getting that demo CD and hearing your name for the first time and going, okay. "I love this piece. I really <laughs> love this piece." Okay, so keep nice. going. Yeah, so I think that came out in oh six or something like that, and then um, yeah, that's definitely. I think have been the best selling uh, these days. It might be another piece called "The Ground," um, with which is choir, piano, and string quartet, or uh, optional string quartet, uh, which is taken. Uh, is is a uh, part of my sunrise mass that's been uh, adapted into kind of its own piece. Okay. So, what is the uh, one you want to have been played the most, or or um, sung the most, or sold the most copies? Yeah. Um. I think. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's like picking among your your kids, you know. But. Um, uh, maybe uh, maybe the mass like uh, the sunrise mass. I think I like because it's I like that it's a it's a it's a longer piece and mm-hmm. so it has a bigger arc than you can uh, do with shorter pieces and uh, and I like I love a big sound and that has you know a string orchestra in it uh, with the choirs so uh, you know that that has a that kind of sound that I I love to share with people if. You had to assign a color, one color, to all of Ola Yellow's music. What color would it be? What would your brand color be? Hmm. I have no idea. I'm not very visual that way, but I think uh, maybe blue. Like uh, both of my uh, piano albums have blue covers mm-hmm. uh, that I, I kind of chose those both of those pictures. So um, maybe that's not a, not, not a coincidence. I love, that's my favorite color. Mine too, mine too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what, the, those, the covers, were those local artists or how did you find the, those covers? Because I, I remember the, the covers being pretty striking and I'm not looking at one right now, but um, I remember it being, being pretty striking. What, what were the, what was the art? Where was that from? Uh, the first one, uh, was for my Stone Rose, uh, my album called Stone Rose from uh, 07. That was, um, that was actually a, a, a very, very good friend of mine, uh, Tom Barber, who uh, also plays uh, flugelhorn on a couple of tracks uh, on the album. Uh, we went to Juilliard together. He was in the, in the jazz program. and um, But he, yeah, he just had a, he borrowed a, a great camera once when he was home in, in Idaho, where he was from, and he just took a lot of pictures from the this uh, beautiful area called the Palouse, uh, where he grew up, and um, he just had this this kind of striking image with just the uh, uh, early evening sky and the, and the moon 
on it, and um, that ended up being the cover. Now I'm looking uh, at it right now. Now is that, is that that blue behind? Is that the actual color of the sky? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's been uh, uh, edited at all. So um, that's yeah, a great so color. Just, uh, it was really worked well for for the music, I think. And uh, this the second album, which is called Piano Improvisations, because it's all improvised. Um, is uh, a picture I found in one of those uh, li- what do you call those libraries that online that have like stock sort of photography stock, stock photography yeah yeah so I looked at a lot of stock photography and uh, and it was just like this really cool uh, heavily you know edited image uh, and which actually is of uh, Miami uh, Miami Harbor but you can't obviously you can't tell. Uh, or I couldn't tell at least, but uh, but it's it's really cool because they messed with the pictures so much. It almost looks like the the buildings and the lights looks like uh, almost like audio waves. Um, so yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember seeing that one, and that's that's Miami. I'm looking. I'm again. I'm looking at it right now. Now there yeah. is a there is a Blu-ray version of this that I'm looking at. Is that, is that a live video recorded version of piano improvisations or is that a high? What is that? Uh, no, it's actually, uh, it's actually, uh, an audio Blu-ray. So, um, but there is uh, like high definition sound. Yes. Yes. So, uh, the, the record company two L, uh, the number two and an L are, are really, Kind of famous for their uh, incredible like surround sound. Okay. Uh, so they they're usually like there's a Norwegian company that's usually Grammy nominated pretty much every year in the states for for their sound um, quality and um, so they were I think they were the first to release an album on like audio Blu-ray. Oh, okay. Which uh, I guess has the potential for for even higher sound quality. Um, but the, it's um, this particular album has. Uh, it's in a Blu-ray cover, but it also has a regular CD in there as well. So there, there's both a, a Blu-ray and a CD, uh, regular CD there as well. So you can choose which one you want to use. Oh, very good. That's, I've <laughs> never heard of a Blu-ray CD before or a Blu-ray, you know, audio. Audio, yeah. I think uh, it's something they kind of started doing. I think because I know DVD audio was trying to take off, but it like oh, didn't okay. really like Acura was was selling cars that had DVD. Really? Six, like 6.1 DVD audio, um, but I, I had not seen uh, seen Blu-ray yet. Yeah, I never heard of that before. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's pretty cool. All right, so as a composer, um, I'm sure your professional income is diversified a little <laughs> bit, right? So, wh- where do you find that you are most profitable? Is it in is it performing? Is it composing? Is it being a clinician is there something i haven't thought of <laughs> it's um it's it's a lot of different things i think um i would say mainly definitely it's it's from commissioning okay and uh that is uh, one, uh especially from from the states i think and that that's one of the wonderful things about being a composer in the states that people that groups commission a lot here uh, more than anywhere in the world, which is which is really amazing and amazing things and um, and, and an amazing thing and and um, people really look for for new music and um, so that's it's a, it's an exciting time to be a composer in that way um, and 
Uh, other than that, it's uh, publishing, um, you know, sheet music mm-hmm. uh, and uh, performance royalties that you in the states is you know ASCAP or BMI, mm-hmm. um, and that can be from performances or when you use your music in 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 uh, on radio or TV or movies and internet, uh, Pandora, you know, all mm-hmm. those kinds of things sort of sort of add up, and then. Um, and then there's also traveling and being, yeah, doing like uh, workshops or, or concerts. And I, I, I play quite a lot around the country uh, or the world with, uh, with groups, um, usually, usually as a piano, because I don't conduct at all. I always, mm-hmm. just, I always just wanted to play the piano. So I, I, I play with a lot of my own music with groups a lot. And uh, so that's part of my income, too. Do you have any interest in conducting at all? Um, I never really... Uh, thought of it much because I just I just always I just love I just love the piano it's it's like my my uh, my big love other than than composing than composing so uh, it never really uh, was like an option for me and I like and I really like to work with conductors mm-hmm. uh, and but at the piano <laughs> all right so I wanted to ask you completely selfishly about Ubi Caritas I have, a, I have a choir who's doing it right now, and um, I know you have an a cappella version and, a, and one with piano improvisation. So how did, how did the, I'm assuming the piano one came out after the a cappella one, right? And how did that come about? Yeah, that came out uh, much later. Um, I think about 10 years later, I think. Um, no, it, ha- it started in, uh, I'm not sure, uh, 2000 and something <laughs> and uh i first did it with a uh actually with a high school choir in charleston south carolina okay and it was just an idea that we had that i should try improvising over you know one of my pieces mm-hmm. so we did that one uh and i think it probably came out of um i listened a lot i used to listen a lot to this album with the uh, hilliard ensemble called officium that had um, the great jan garberic uh, improvising on the saxophone, which you know became such a huge deal in the classical world and did really really well, and it works so well, I think. So, but nobody, I'd never heard anybody do it the same thing with piano over like a written piece. So, um, so yeah, I really want to do that, and uh, the the Ubicaritas seemed to kind of work really well for that that kind of uh, improv. And so after that, I did it a lot. Uh, all over the country with different groups and ended up uh, putting on a video with the Central Washington uh, University uh, Chamber Choir who've done a lot of, I've done a lot of videos with them because they're pretty unique in that they do really like high quality videos with multi bunch of cameras and uh, beautifully edited and that's that's so rare to have that you know that opportunity to have your music featured mm-hmm. that way, and so we've done a bunch of YouTube videos with them, and that are getting close to I think like a like a, a million views or something. Uh, so it's it's really great. And then um, one of those videos was uh, me improvising over Ubi Caritas, and um, and that got is at I don't know 150 thousand or something now. Right, that's the one that I saw. That's the one that I yeah, saw. Yeah, most people. That's that's where mm-hmm. they they heard it and. Uh, so the thing is that I was never going to write it down because I figured, because it's always different every time I do it. It's completely right. different. So I, that wasn't really an option. But, uh, but then people started kind of uh, 
uh, either during their own improvs or uh, try to kind of transcribe my improv. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, so I figured, ah, oh, man, I guess I should, I, I, I got to do this now because, um, so I get it exactly the way I want it to sound like as, as, as close as possible. And so we, you know, transcribed the, my piano part, which is, uh, really hard. <laughs> I can imagine. It's so all over the place, and uh, you know, uh, it's it's very uh, doesn't it goes into a lot of different areas, and it's hard to pick out piano like that. So, um, so I had the help of two different transcribers and and myself, and um, but yeah, finally we got as close as we possibly could, and and we uh, Walton Music uh, released that uh, that piano part. I, I, it's incredibly challenging. Um, I could imagine. And I, I think it's so funny to see when, when things that were originally improvised end up being written down and how silly they look, you know, um, mm-hmm. especially even in gospel music, when you're like, when you, when you see what somebody who clearly did not mean it to be written down, mm. when you see what that looks like, finally, yeah. it's so funny well, to me. It is, yeah. That's that was the really challenging part. But uh, we did we did sort of um, streamline some of the things and, and made them more uh, practical, mm-hmm. you know, than I necessarily played. So some things we had to kind of simplify a little bit or make it clear, you know. All right. So before we continue into our last segment, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. Traveling overseas with your choir can be a total nightmare if you don't have the right tour company. KI Concerts offers 30-plus years of top-notch international travel planning from custom experiences tailored to your choir to collaborative tours with leading industry directors such as Heather Buchanan, Rollo Dilworth, and Grammy Award-winning conductor Craig Hella-Johnson. KI Concerts prides itself with curating fantastic and appreciative audiences in iconic venues around the world. Choir Nation, KI Concerts, and the Find Your Forte podcast have partnered together to bring an exclusive deal just for you. Members of Choir Nation who book through KI Concerts will receive one additional free traveler when they reach 40 travelers. That's three free as opposed to the normal two. Head on over to kiconcerts.com forward slash findyourforte to claim this exclusive offer and a custom quote for your next tour. All right, welcome back. We are going to now head into the Accelerando round, which is one of my favorite parts of the interview. There are only three. I actually like them all, but this is, this is just the third of three parts of the interview, mainly geared towards short questions, limited response from me. So what project, Ola, are you most excited about right now? Uh, right now, I'm very excited about uh, an upcoming album that we're we're finishing off. That's going to be on a on a on a a, a, a wonderful label and um, with uh, featuring my choral music mainly and uh, some of my a little bit of piano music. Um, so I'm very excited about that one. Um, and that's all you can say. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> and then, oh no, 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 no! I'm saying that's all you can say about that album. Oh, sorry. Oh, that way. Uh, no, you can say more. <laughs> you can say more. <laughs> yes. Oh, I thought I had to be like short answer. <laughs> no, no, that was good. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, yes. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I, sh I probably shouldn't. Uh, but um, I'm also excited about uh, this. Uh, uh, we just released a video uh, on YouTube uh, featuring my uh, piece of mine called Dark Night of the Soul for um, uh, choir, piano, and string quartet. And um, that's also with, like we talked about before, it's with the, uh, the Central Washington University uh, Jamie Choir and uh, Dr. Uh, Gary Widenar, and we've done a lot of videos together, and this is the most recent one. Um, and that's always exciting when those come out on YouTube, because um, the, yeah, the production is so amazing, and, and uh, it's just cool to have that kind of studio setting and, and um, uh, multi-cameras and that kind of stuff. What advice do you have for your younger self? Now, I mean, you're like 12 as it is, but what advice do you have for your seven-year-old self? No, literally, it could be any time younger than now. But uh, I think what's most important is to... I don't know. There are so many things, but always listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. Kind of mindlessly, I like think. learn your true, learn what your voice, your inner voice, is supposed to sound like. Recognize it. Yeah, your voice, but also what you want to do. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's 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 important to listen to advice. Definitely, very important. But um, but you have to be kind of mindless about who you are and what you want. Um, if you if you're too affected by your surroundings or what they tell you, that's uh, easy to become unhappy that way. Because it might not be the real you, you know? Understood. Now, in your opinion, what do you believe? And I'll change this question for, for you. In your opinion, what do you believe makes an outstanding composer? Uh, <laughs> Besides a Norwegian name. <laughs> um, well, I'm not sure whether that helps or hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Grieg was pretty good, so... Yeah, he was awesome. That was a Scottish name, actually. He, his family was in Scotland. Yeah, I didn't. That didn't sound too Norwegian. No, it's not. I think he was actually Greg, and then they they respelled it to Greek. Uh, but yeah, I think his his father was Scottish or something. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, Who? That is a really hard, hard question. Uh, I honestly can't can't answer. I don't know. <laughs> That's fine. We'll move on. <laughs> Walk us through your morning routine on an ideal day. On an ideal, I don't think I have those. <laughs> I think uh, my days are uh, all over the place. Um, it's, uh, it really, yeah, I don't have, I think a lot of composers have more of a, a consistent rhythm or, you know, they like to work from 10 to 4 or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I never, that's, I never had that had that uh, I, I kind of like the to have a completely open kind of schedule and it's it's um and i'm kind of workaholic so i i you know work all the time anyway do you feel uh, like you it, you mix work and play together like your work time and your play time or do you separate those those things uh that too but i think um and I, I like to be, I, I'm a, very much a night owl, so I, I, I work really late uh, a lot of the time when there's nothing else going on, too. And uh, I really like, kind of like that time. Mm -hmm. um, so, 
Um, but yeah, there's this really no typical day. Um, and it's also because I do my own business as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of take, to take care of that in that area with from, you know, publishing to contracts to, um, you know, meetings or uh, traveling. And mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different things that happen. But uh, but I enjoy all, all of those things. Uh, oh, you do social media, which has really be, become a really big thing now. Uh, and uh, such a really great way to to be able to to communicate with with people that you know and are are, are doing your music or, mm-hmm. or are interested so um so it's yeah it's 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 kind of all over the place and i, I really like I, I like i like it that way what is your most favorite concert that you've ever attended um Although, sorry, I should to the the question before. I guess I should add that it's it's kind of governed a little bit by deadlines. That's okay. Work, you know, it's it's commission deadlines that are uh, so you kind of work up to those, and that's that's the one way that I, that kind of organizes my life a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> sorry, what was the your most favorite concert that you've attended? Um, I think. One of my favorite concerts was when John, uh, they did a concert of John Adams' music at uh, the Zankel Hall, uh, the, the newest hall at Carnegie Hall, which they built a new one a few years ago that's kind of underground, uh, but it's my favorite hall in the city. And uh, they had a concert of uh, John Adams' uh, chamber music, uh, and he was there, and Ari Gisolumian, who was then... The sort of, I think the artistic director of Carnegie Hall, who's now the uh, dean at uh, Juilliard, mm-hmm. he moderated, uh, which he's amazing at. And John Adams is so good at talking about music and about his own music. So, and uh, it was some of my favorite pieces of his, like Hallelujah Junction and, and Road Movies, and and uh, yeah, it was just a, just an amazing, amazing concert. And when you think of um, success. Who is the first person that comes to mind? Uh, in music or is this in general? In general. <laughs> uh, well, success, I guess, think of like Warren Buffett or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that might be the going, first on this podcast. If you're going by the numbers, I guess it would be him or Bill Gates or something. But um, I think success... Well, actually, the first uh, the the music musical person that came into my mind is was John Williams. Okay, and I think um, it, he's just I think he's one of those composers that will be remembered, you know, for for like ever. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think nobody has written consistent, like, unbelievable orchestral music uh, like he has okay. the past, you know, 50 years or whatever. Uh, I mean, he's one of the greatest melodists I, ever to me, and uh, his orchestration is unbelievable. But it, but m- mainly it's just that his music is, if you play people, his some of his themes from some of the mo- his movies, you know, these people will recognize those all over the world, mm-hmm. anywhere. And they're such a big part of, like, the the you know the musical fabric now and and uh people have such strong emotions about them like the main theme from like et or 
or uh, or or Superman for for that matter. It's, mm-hmm. it's just unbelievable music, you know. And um, so I think you know he's definitely the most successful composer, uh, certainly artistically. I think for the last few decades. And I'm going to end this this interview with um, your favorite personal growth or music book. Uh, my favorite music book. I'm a terrible reader, I have to say first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, I love reading, but uh, I'm such a movie buff that I, I do a lot more. Uh, okay, well, what's your favorite movie? Watching of movies and, and uh, TV and stuff like that. Um, for, well, for TV, I say The Wire is okay. an unbelievable TV show uh, that uh, you could just watch it over and over again. Uh, movies, I, I love uh, a movie called Shadowlands uh, that's not really that well known. It's a, just a beautiful, uh, really beautiful, smart movie uh, with uh, Anthony Hopkins and Deborah Winger. Uh, where Hopkins plays uh, C.S. the writer C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. and about his uh, relationship with uh, this poet Troy Gresham, and um, it's just a incredibly beautiful, sad but uplifting mu- movie with a really beautiful score. Um, so, but it's a movie that a lot of people haven't seen. I think uh, it's not even available anymore. I think, um, but other than that, I'm crazy about the Lord of the Rings. I could watch that every. Every day, uh, <laughs> uh, or movies like I like a lot, like a lot of sci-fi, like uh, Serenity was great favorite of my, or the TV show Firefly that it came out of. Uh, I love that kind of stuff. Um, but um, yeah, there's so many I wouldn't even <laughs> know where to uh, to start. Well, you know, Anthony Hopkins is quite the composer too. Did you know that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he came out with an uh, album a couple years ago. I yeah, think, yeah. Did, Really well, I think. Yeah, he did. He did all right. Yeah. There's there's some YouTube clips of of um, I know there's a YouTube that I a clip of one of his waltzes that was played over in Germany, I believe. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, was, I was pretty impressed. I was like, wow, all right, good job, man. Oh yeah, that guy's super smart. All right, so um, basically, what we're gonna do is just have you give the listeners just some parting words of encouragement and the best way that they connect with you. They can connect with you moving forward. Um. The, uh, well, just follow your heart, man. That's a, <laughs> that's a huge cliche, but uh, it's really the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the more we do that and the less we follow our, our, uh, our, our brains, I think we'll, we're happier and, <laughs> and better artists, uh, proportionally. But, um, but sorry, yeah, that was a huge cliche. Um, uh, other than that, yeah, you can uh, you can connect with me uh, a lot of different ways. There's my website uh, oliello.com, or uh, just find me on uh, on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And um, yeah, awesome. Well, listen, I know that Choir Nation is even more ready to step up to the podium with purpose after listening to this interview today. So, thank you very much for being my guest today on Find Your Forte. All right, thank you so much for having me. If you're looking to bring your choir overseas to perform in iconic venues across the globe, look no further. 
KI Concerts is offering members of Choir Nation three free travelers instead of the standard two for your group of 40 paying travelers. Head on over to kiconcerts.com forward slash find your forte to redeem. Thank you for listening to Find Your Forte with Ryan Guth. As always, join Ryan online at www.ryanguth.com for detailed show notes and discussions on every episode. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Until next time, be amazing.